Friends, this is WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. I am your host, Antonio Garza. And oh boy, do we have a show tonight because we are packed. Not only are we going in, into the final stretch of the G1 Climax, but we also had The Collective take place this last weekend. And of course, we just finished watching Impact Wrestling. And so let's not waste more time. Let's get right into it. G1 Climax, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We left off at show number 10 and now on to 11, October the 7th. We have five shows that we're going to have to talk about, so I, I won't go into all of the ma- the details. But the start, uh, Tsuji defeated Gabriel Kidd. It's okay match. Ishii defeated Takahashi. It was an okay match. Okada defeated Cobb. I personally wasn't a big fan, but it was an okay match. But like the ones that I do want to talk about, the uh, first one is Osprey versus Suzuki. That was a fantastic match. It was like just a clash of styles, really. I, I love that Osprey comes in like all being like this little cocky kid, and Suzuki just beat the shit out of him, and that was just fantastic. That was the thing that I wanted to see. Uh, we we saw like a little bit of of real like flurries of speed and in, in, in life from from suzuki he, he was doing uh slightly more trying to keep, to keep up with osprey and and it's not something that we see from a lot of suzuki matches that just really rely on strikes uh but in this in this match like suzuki pulled off a fucking mystica in 2020 the man is like 50 years old and he did a mystica so man like this is just a, a beautiful thing. Into the next match, Tai Chi versus Jay White with Jay White defeating Tai Chi. I thought this was it wasn't as good as like in terms of wrestling in ring action, but it was really a fun interaction of two just great heels uh, trying to out heal each other, and at the end, really Tai Chi just kind of showing like a, a fire from him you know it, it was uh there was something really fun about having tai chi trying to defeat white with the ghetto clutch right in front of ghetto's face and just seeing ghetto's reaction I, I i've been mentioning this like in the previous shows like to me tai chi and white have been the actual mvps of the block a they not only have like the better matches, but they also have like the better performances, like when it comes to uh, talking to the fans and, and just like their mannerisms and everything. And so like th- this clash was was just like enjoyment for me. And and the final match of the, of the show was Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi. This was a slobber knocker. Date Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. I gave it four and a half stars. Chingo defeated Kota in the main event of a New Japan show. And it, it says a lot, you know, like Shingo right now, Shingo left Dragon Gate and it's now main eventing shows against Kota Ibushi's and Okada's. 
And man, I don't even want to talk about what happens to the other people like Tosawa who leave Dragon Gate and are being eaten by sharks. But let's, let's, let's not talk about that. Like, let's let's go into Chingo Takagi versus Kodai Bushi. This was a beautiful battle, just a fight. Like Chingo is like fucking stallion of a man. Like he came in, he challenged Ibushi to a fight. Ibushi tried, and Chingo slapped the shit out of him and won. Like Chingo, uh, that's something that I've noticed from Chingo. Like this whole tournament that I I really really love. He's not, he's never like starstruck. He's never like outshone or like seem as a weaker uh, opponent. Like he always looks confident and strong. And, and that's just beautiful. Like there's a lot of wrestlers, like for instance, uh, Osprey, who is pretty cocky, but every now and then like, when we saw today, like Suzuki, um, so Osprey gets like slapped in the face and his whole demeanor changes. And sometimes he looks like, like he's not confident anymore about himself. And Chingo's like completely the opposite. Like if you slap Chingo, Chingo just like takes it, calls you in for another one, takes it and then slaps you back. It's just, he's a beautiful man, you know, like, oh my God. And, and something that I, I've, I, I didn't realize until this match actually like started is that this was like, I mean, one of the dream matches that I never know that I needed. Um, Shingo and Ibushi are, I believe, like months difference in age. They are months difference in terms of when they debuted. Uh, Ibushi obviously went to Toriyaman and Shingo has been with Dragon Bait or had been with Dragon Bait pretty, uh, pretty much for all the time. And they never really had a, a one-on-one match. The They had a couple of tag team matches when Dragon Gate and DDT would do things together. But surprisingly, as much as Chingo and Ibushi did stuff in the US or independent wrestling or just all over the place, they never had a one-on-one match. And this was their first meeting. And oh my God, I, I loved it. This was... Like, this is a match that you need to go out of your way to watch. Uh, it's from the, the show number 11, uh, October the 7th. So, I mean, overall, this day was, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was fantastic. I Some of the matches may not be, like, top level. But, like, the, the last three matches are definitely, like, worth going your way out, uh, to watch, you know. On to day 12. This is October the 8th. This is B Block. We started with Gabriel Kidd defeating Yuja Wemura. Uh, we have Hiroki Goto defeating Joshihashi, and Joshihashi continues his just fantastic run. Um, he got one of the better matches out of Goto, uh, who has been, like we've said this before, just filler in the tournament. Uh, we had Zack Sabre Jr. defeat Toriyano. This was, this was your quintessential Toriyano match. It was fun. Saver just like it, it's funny like to see Saver just get completely pissed off at, at something as Yano. So this was fun. Uh it was really chaotic. The the one thing that I do want to complain about this match was that spot where Saver's hand was tied to a chair across the, the guardrail. It's one of those where like you know he knows how to get out. 
but he's not doing it and it takes 20 seconds to get out and you're like come on dude like it, it's the it's a dog with the stick in the door trick even a dog gets it quicker so i don't know that was that spot really took me out uh but it was okay i i gave it about a, a two and a half really because uh, even for Toriano matches, I mean, Toriano matches, we know that we, we usually rate slightly lower because they're not exactly uh, strong in-ring style, but they are fun to watch. Uh, next up, we had Kenta versus Sonata. This was completely uneventful. They didn't really mesh up together. Uh, I I didn't enjoy it. It's, I mean, it's good. It's well wrestled, but completely uneventful. We had Tetsuya Naito versus Juice Robinson with Naito defeating Juice. Uh, this went about 25 minutes. And I, I gave it about a three and a half stars-ish. But uh, it, it just wasn't like that amazing. Um, like Naito's fantastic and Juice has been like performing really well. But... It, 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 I don't know. It, it felt uneventful, really. And and that's something that Block B had, in my opinion, in this show and the next one that we were going to talk about. They just feel like uneventful shows at this point. Like, their mashups are not exactly, like, legendary or anything. Um, we, we've reached the point where we also kind of see, like, who's being eliminated. So it's kind of hard to get behind some people. And, and to that extent, we're starting to dread who's going to make it to the finals. So that's that's a bit of a problem with Block B at this point. Uh, the main event was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil. Um, Evil defeated Tanahashi and pretty much almost sealed the deal for Tanahashi for, to get eliminated. This was, I, I kind of had like slight hopes of this uh, because you had like the baby face of baby faces versus arguably the heel of the moment in New Japan. But it ended up being I mean it has the same problems as evil matches, you know, that they they tend to slow down a lot uh at points and they they have a lot of trouble picking up again. But I don't know, like Tanahashi's performance still was amazing. It, it he's he's just like uh I don't know, like a superstar from another planet. His his performances, regardless of who he wrestles, are just on another level. So, and the one thing that I, I the the thing here with Evil is not necessarily that he's like wrestling bad. It's that Evil's strengths before turning heel was always the final minutes of his matches. That that was always the thing that people loved the most, because. The everything is evil is a move that counters really nicely into things or can counter out of things. And so we we had really, really fun endings to his matches, like really like suspenseful. And now that he's usually going for the Dick Togo approach to like low blow and stuff like that, it sucks the air out of the rooms and, and you know like evil's just gonna like eh. He's gonna win. Doesn't matter anymore. And I, I, in my opinion, that's what's been hurting, at least to me, the evil matches. Not having those last minutes of just like two wrestlers chasing their finishers. 
but overall i mean it was solid just completely uneventful um not really a show that i would tell you to go out of your way to watch it, it's getting hard at this point of, of show number uh 12 to like really really try to, to you know watch all the shows so uh, feel free to skip this one we go into october the 10th that was night 13. we started with Juja Wemura defeating Jota Suji in arguably Wemura's best performance in New Japan. This show is the show that Dave Meltzer said is the greatest card that he's ever seen in terms like in terms of G1 and arguably all of this year. I don't disagree as we are going to see, because this one I am going to go match by match. Every match was fantastic. And even the one that wasn't fantastic had an amazing purpose. So like, again, we started with when whatever defeating Suji, this match, go watch it. It's nine minutes and just watch when performance, the way he sells a Boston crab the way he escapes a Boston Crab. Look at Wemura's arm drag takedowns. This man is going to be an ace of the company. Like, you see him right now, and, and I see a, a, a young Kenta Kobachi, a young, like, Inoki or Tanahashi. Like, he is fantastic. And, and, he, and he showed it here. Like, this may be one of the best young lion matches that i've seen um in, J- in japan you know but onto the g1 we started with jeff Kopp defeating tomohiro ishii this was just a hoss fight this was great easily my favorite cop match of the tournament uh just imagine like the stone pitbull and a rottweiler like just going at it uh they went from like shoulder blocks to striking to like tossing each other and then like all over again the same thing and and it was just like clobbering time like the thing and hulk you know and and at the end <laughs> this it was just like an amazing spot like and the fans like completely went crazy for it Cobb powers bombs ishi down and then like from the mat he grabs his hands he pulls ishi and ishi jumps into Cobb's hands and into the true of the islands and it just seemed like Cobb pretty much like pulled Ishii from the floor to his arms and it just looked beautiful the crowd like I said went crazy and and it's a big win for Cobb like like we knew Cobb wasn't gonna even be close to winning the G1 we knew he wasn't gonna even be like in the finals or like a contendership but Cobb in this tournament has defeated uh, pretty decent names and I think this shows a lot for for Cobb's presence in New Japan I think he's he's definitely gonna be staying there <laughs> for sure uh, we continue with Yuhiro Takahashi versus Jay White this this wasn't really a match it was more of an angle it was an angle that I I think we all have little hints here and there about you know the what's going to become of, of bullet clubs leadership we know we know that we had white and he has been the leader but we also had kenta 
a strong name who kind of like felt okay being alongside with white like he didn't really challenge but now we also have evil and we've seen what happens when evil and kenta meet each other they're not exactly friends but there's seats being planted from all corners and this match is one of them because what happened here is that white didn't even prepare for the match he came in assuming i don't know if it was planned beforehand that takahashi was just going to finger poke of doom to allow white to win and so he did but white uh, kind of cocky he started showing off he started teasing the ref like breaking the pins and look you hero you know we know he's eliminated we know he we know he's the lower totem pole of, of the of the bullet club but there's only just so much that you can do to a man before he is fit up and so as as white kept breaking the pin you could see that Yuhito was getting annoyed and annoyed and annoyed and it got to a point where it was like kick out and Yuhito kicked out and and he started you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna pin you white and, and he rolled him up and he tried to finish him and if it if it weren't for for ghetto being there and distracting uh the referee and allowing white to low blow yuhiro and hit the blade runner there's a chance that yuhiro would have picked up the win and at this point of, of the tournament yuhiro still has zero points i think it was really credible for him to get his two points from white and and it didn't happen so it was like really suspenseful really intriguing like i said it wasn't really a match it was more of a just a great angle we know that there's seats there where because in the post uh show interview you can see white is is not trusting ghetto anymore and ghetto's like no no man like i didn't know i didn't know Yuhiro was going to do this but white now has a reason to mistrust both takahashi and ghetto and that is just something that you need to remember something to keep in your head because it's going to pay off uh next up we had tai chi versus osprey um i've i've heard a lot of people that love this match i i was okay with it in my opinion it wasn't better than their best of the super juniors match this was cocky Osprey arriving, you know, cocky, um, cocky Osprey, you know, like tossing Tai Chi's hair, and and then Tai Chi getting fed up and, and just like slapping the bejesus out of him and getting into a fight. Um, I don't know what it was about this match. I I've I just feel like they've had better matches before. Um, it was fun, but I, I think what it was it was that it went really really long. I think it clocked around 60 minutes and in reality this should have been like about a 10 minute match but you know it was a good match I it was in my opinion the weakest of the show but that's not saying much because it was just a fantastic show nonetheless up next is Minoru Suzuki versus Kojai Ibushi this was my favorite match of the night um, and I think it was also like 
most people's favorite match of the night. I do believe that this may get a five star in a coming in a couple of days. Uh, this was just like just imagine like uh, worked Pancras. This was two guys that came in and just wanted to get in a fight, and it didn't matter if it was in the ring or outside the ring or the ramp. They just started beating the shit out of each other. It didn't feel like a sprint. It actually felt like they were taking the proper time to like execute the moves and sell the strikes. Uh, because like one of the problems sometimes is like for for instance in Ishi matches, uh, like Ishi versus Chingo, is that it's pretty much the same thing. It's just clobbering time, but it's a fast pace sprint clobbering time, and this was not it. This was like more methodical. Um, they really really like used their time to to sell you the the strikes as being like more devastating than they usually are so th this was in my opinion like the best match of the night um ibushi defeated suzuki this also went about 60 minutes and like in this case every minute counted for something and that's what um made it so much better than the previous match and at the end have we have the the main event this is Chingo versus Okada. This this was a pretty much about the same level of greatness as Suzuki versus Bushi. Uh, there's like little things here and there that you may like from the previous one. Uh, like in this particular case, we know Okada is going to go for the money clip, and it's not most people's favorite move right now. But having said that, Chingo sold it great. He really. He, he had a spot where he's in the money clip and first off, like, Chingo, like, stands up and Okada has to bring him down. And then there's a spot where Chingo, like, the referee, Red Shoes, is about to the, uh, just call for the bell and Chingo, like, grabs him by the t-shirt and it's like, nope, I'm not done yet. So, like, it was a really, really str good struggle. It was, like, the best struggle that we've seen with the money clip. Um... At the end, still, Okada just faded Chingo out. And, I mean, I've heard people say that finally the money clip is over. I don't think so, in my opinion. Uh, we just had someone who, like, sold it really nicely. But that doesn't really mean that it's over. Uh, he's been defeating people with the money clip before. It's not like we just needed someone to win. So... We'll see how it goes, but like nonetheless, this was a fantastic match. Again, Chingo is just a stallion. He he came in and he didn't like let Okada overshine him. He just like went straight and and took it to the to to the battle, you know. And that's that's why I love Chingo Takagi. And and that was it. Uh, that was the the main event. This was great. Um, after the match, Okada cut one of his winners' promo. He's his promos this year seem to be like half-assed, forced. And I'm guessing it's also part of whatever storyline he's going through that he won't talk about. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we can all tell that Okada's mind is not is not there. This is not... It's not Balloon Maker Okada, but it's also not the Rainmaker Okada. So, like, like I said, like, this was just a fantastic show. Arguably... The best show of the G1. Not arguably. I think it's... Yeah, I think at this point it is the best show of the G1. Because it is also a, a, a credible show of the year contender. 
uh, top to bottom, every match delivered. And like this, this show, I will tell you, go out of your way and watch what you watch. If, if you don't watch the G1 climax, because it's too overwhelming, like this is the one show that you need to watch top to bottom. On to night 14 of the G1 Climax. This is October 11th. We are back to Bleed Block. And like I mentioned, this this was also pretty uneventful. Um, it was a good show, but I, I it may have suffered that I, we were writing from from the previous show it was like as we said the best show of the g1 and so it may have felt overwhelmed this also happened like on a sunday where we watched new japan the, pre the previous day and i've had been watching a lot of the collective by this point so i may have been just slightly off but i don't think i'm necessarily um going to disagree with a lot of people when it comes to ratings. I, I haven't really heard of anyone praise it as, as is. Um, but let, let's start with it. Uh, Gabriel Kidd defeated Tsuji. And so no Wemura, that means not necessarily that good of a match. <laughs> uh, we had Saber versus uh, Joshihashi with Saber winning. This was, I think so, the best match of the night. And that's saying a lot. I mean, not 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 because it's here in Joshihashi. I think those two have been fantastic this this tournament, but uh, it is like the opener, and it does kind of feel like this. Like everything went down from here. Uh, they, they went about fourteen minutes or so, and it was just fun. It was just you know your usual saver becomes an octopus, and then Joshihashi makes a comeback, and and that was it. Uh, we had Kenta defeat Toriyano. This was. A Toriano match, but weaker in the Yano spectrum. Um, they played around like Kenta doing comedy, so that was interesting to see, but like not much. We had Sonata versus Juice Robinson with Sonata winning, and just again, a good match, but uneventful. Like, no one's gonna remember this match like a couple of months from now. Like, I, I don't even remember a lot of stuff from it like today. It's been two days. Uh, we had Goto defeating Tanahashi. <laughs> I've heard people complain that, oh my god, like, how does Goto get to eliminate Tanahashi uh, from the tournament? And it's like, I mean, Tanahashi's, we know he's not going to win. He's already, like, past his prime. Uh, he's a fantastic wrestler, fantastic storyteller. But, like, it doesn't matter at this point, like, that Goto defeats him. Like, and and in this match, I, I think we can confirm that Goto must be hurting because his final, his last three matches, including this one, have been pretty short. This went 13 minutes, but if you consider that this is the semi-main event against Tanahashi, this definitely was somewhat short. And into the main event, it was yet another evil defeating Naito match. It was virtually the same thing that we been watching since Dominion and I don't know like they went 23 minutes because it was the main event so it did feel 
pretty long. Uh, like I've mentioned before, I'm not one to complain about Dick Togo and, and cheating and chairs because that's I to me that actually sometimes enhances the match. But I did feel that this went pretty long and it's the same match that we've seen. Uh, I, I'm starting to notice that Naito and Evil are not exactly good with their chemistry together when it comes to actual f wrestling each other. They may be fantastic tag team wrestlers, but they're not good as opponents. There are a lot of spots where Evil cannot keep up with Naito's speed, and Naito just finds himself like jumping on the same spot, like waiting for for, for Evil to get ready, and and that I mean it's noticeable, and I think it hurts the matches. But uh, with, with this match, Evil unfortunately gets um, tag uh, like a, a shot at the title and. This was probably the most dreaded result uh, that I had. I didn't want this this result because I, I don't particularly want to see Evil versus Naito again at Power Struggle or King of Pro Wrestling. And and let's be realistic, people don't want it. And if there's something that I want to see less than the match, it's people complaining about relevant things like Evil again having an art title shot. So it's, it's unfortunate. We are probably going to get it. Um, so let's let's just let's just power through it. <laughs> let's keep our our hopes up, you know. Uh, but yeah, like we'll see. We'll see where evil goes because he now that more people are back, and that we seem to have like the rise of white and Okada back into like the title program. Uh, evil really starts to feel left behind again, and so. They are going to try to keep him relevant. And I just hope that it doesn't mean another title run. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Evil captures the Intercontinental title at this point. So he can run with that title while they leave the heavyweight for Okada and, and for, for White and for Ibushi and, and the top echelon of, of characters, you know. But that was uh, day 14. Like I said, another uneventful show for Block B. And just this morning, we had uh, night 15, uh, block A. This is the second to last show. So we are going to see a lot of eliminations here. As we go in, we have four people with 10 points and a lot of people with six points. So as soon as any of the people with 10 points captures a win, everyone with six points gets eliminated. That, that may make it hard for some people to watch. Um, because a lot of people do follow this for the points and, and knowing that people are eliminated sometimes like just hinders the match. In my opinion, like when I watch Shingo versus Takagi where, uh, spoilers, they were eliminated by the time the, the match started. I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was the best match of the night. Um, because they, they just brought the match they just brought a, a battle you know so so let's go top from top uh we had yuja Mwenbura defeating gabriel kid uh just your usual good jungle line stuff we have Cobb defeat will osprey this was really similar to the Cobb versus ibushi match where just osprey gave a lot of to Cobb. i they played around like if this was Cobb versus like 2018 Osprey 
which was kind of weird because current Osprey is not particularly that small uh, for Cobb to be tossing around, but they, he still pulled it off. It was a lot of flippy stuff against, you know, Cobb to just like grab Osprey and toss him around. And surprisingly, Cobb defeated Osprey. And, and, and I say surprisingly because at this point, Osprey is going to end the, the day being the only contender to the finals with 10 points while everyone else is going to to get 12 points and, and i'll talk about a little bit about that in a bit uh but let's go into ibushi defeating takahashi this was boring uh takahashi i mean at this point you already know that he's bad he wrestles in slow motion and not even ibushi was able to bring that stuff up we had Taichi defeating Shingo Takagi, in my opinion, was the best match of the night. This was just, again, two guys beating the shit out of each other. Um, I, I love brawler Taichi. Like, that's him Him having that feud with Ishii that brought out the brawler in him was the best thing that happened to him. And now he goes against someone like Shingo, and it's just, just fantastic. Uh, Taichi won with Black Mephisto after... After he hit that uh, super kick, the the Tensho Juhyo. So beautiful things happening in this match. Uh, the next match was Suzuki versus Jay White. This was fun. I They've had a match before. In the previous uh, G1, Suzuki defeated Jay White. In this one, Jay White defeated Suzuki. They, they have a really good chemistry in the sense that Jay White is more of a heel. It's more heel than Suzuki, but he fears Suzuki. And and this match was just like White trying to fight a robot Suzuki because he would just attack Suzuki and nothing White uh, could do, like stop Suzuki's onslaught. He slapped White. He like got him in submissions, and Suzuki would like would try to. I mean, I mean White would try to cheat. Would try to run away would try to like use ghetto to help and and nothing was stopping suzuki at one point like even after taking suzuki's knee off like suzuki kept chasing white on his knees and white was just like trying to chop him away and he couldn't stop him at the end it did take ghetto's distraction uh to like save white from tapping out uh, and at the same time to like have the distraction to hit the blade runner for the win but this was just like I, I love the matches between these two guys, uh, just like the heel versus heel, uh, you know, match that these guys can have. And lastly, we had Ishi and Okada. Okada defeated Ishi. This was a good match, but again, it may be my fault for for always going back to to thinking about their previous matches, but. I think this was hurt by the fact that it, it took place really late in the tournament. And at, at this point, we know Okada had to win because otherwise, with White and Ibushi winning, if Okada loses this match, he gets eliminated from the tournament. And so we know he was going to win. And we also know he's going to win the, with the money clip. And, and those two things just kind of like made the match feel really long because it just became like waiting for the finish and knowing that the finish is going to be a Cobra Clutch. And that really, really hurt the match, in my opinion. Um, Ishii was fantastic. His selling is always fantastic. 
uh and okada's always good too we we just have like those issues that i just brought up and and i guess also like this match never really managed to hit like the second gear uh there was a point there was a spot um where okada drop kicks ishii on the turnbuckle the, the usual one where he just kicks him out and ibushi just i mean ishii just like straight up blocked it and the fans woke up for that for that spot but then they didn't follow it up and the crowd kind of died because that's when we started going after the money clips and tombstones into money clips and i think that's when like at that point i knew that we're not going to be able to hit second gear anymore it just became like okay let's again let's just wait for the match to end and so it did eventually okada got the the money clip and won and the crowd went mild you know it was it was not bad just pretty uneventful too and and after the match okada kind of like a, a shitty promo or just half-assed so it was a, it was an up and down show for for new japan's new japan standards um i guess it was all good but there was only really two matches that i got excited for uh jay white and chingos so that was it and at this point like i mentioned everyone that came in with six points is eliminated it's down to four men in block a it's okada white ibushi and osprey uh if white defeats ishii on the final block a night he wins the whole thing uh because he has wins over everyone else if ibushi um ibushi must win and hope that white loses okada must win and hope that both ibushi and white lose and osprey has to win and has to hope that white and ibushi lose so it i mean you, you can tell that white is probably going to lose to ishii ibushi is probably going to lose to taichi and okada versus osprey that can go either way i personally hope that it's osprey because if it's not white i don't want to see okada in the in the finals to be honest especially because block b at this point is not really offering anything good other than naito and that is that is dangerous uh, in my opinion i just want either i just want like a white versus naito finals and at that point i wouldn't mind either of them winning because white main eventing the wrestle kingdom sounds perfectly okay to me and naito being able to make the challenge sounds perfectly okay to me too so that's what i'm hoping for i don't think we're gonna get that i'm pretty sure we're just gonna get like man we're probably gonna get okada versus evil like be, get ready guys it's gonna be okada versus evil and it's going to be terrible but that was new japan uh we are down to four shows we have two more from block b and one for block a and we have the finals uh in, during the weekend and so let's just power through it you know we're, we're already there we're already there but let's let's move our focus now to u.s wrestling and not just u.s wrestling but 
independent U.S. wrestling because, yes, that is still a thing. That's happening. It's hard to believe. But this weekend we had The Collective take place. Uh, for those that haven't heard of this, The Collective is exactly that, a collective of promotions and and shows that all take place during the same weekend. These are the guys that pretty much have been taking over the WrestleMania weekends where they do like the whole 700 shows uh, in a weekend. And it's hit or miss when it comes to the actual shows. Like for every blood sport, there is also like just a random show with completely random people. So you always have to pick and choose. I, I, I didn't count the amount of shows that we had this weekend when it comes to a collective, but I do think we were about 10 different shows. It, it just felt forever. Uh, but from all the shows, I'm going to talk about only two shows that I, I fully watch uh, for the rest of the shows. I only watched like one or two matches that were making noise during the weekend. There is also, uh, there was also New Japan happening. And so, for instance, on Saturday, I watch GCW's FE's Big Gay Brunch, but I wasn't able to watch uh, the later show, the For the Culture show, because I had to watch New Japan. So it was pretty, it was pretty hard to to just get through everything. But I think uh, the the two shows that I watched were maybe two of the shows that made the most noise, um, pre and post the the, the show taking place. Um, so just quickly going through GCW's Effie's Big Gay Brunch. This is a show to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community and just showcase the talent, uh, that is right now in the industry that belongs to this community. Uh, it, it had a really, really good collection of wrestlers, like regardless if you want to see them as lgbtq or not like if you just want to pay attention to the wrestling this was a really fun show uh we had some really really good talent just just going quickly through the card we had the team c stars that's ashley box and del Mixo defeat ac mac and ashton star we had still life with apricots and pears that is the best name in wrestling right now uh defeat the dark cheek uh we had the second gear crew that is uh one the one called manders mans warner matthew justice teaming with levi everett defeating billy dixon joshua wara mb young and o'shea edwards and like in this much I'm, this much i'm just gonna say like pay attention to mb young and o'shea edwards those guys have the potential to be big we just need they need a little more experience uh, but those guys have so much potential. We had Jamie Senegal along with uh, Saint Sinclair defeat Alley Cat. We had a Twink Gauntlet match, um, which at the end Diva Monroe defeated like just a bunch of people. But this match, the the two things that the two names that really really stand out is uh, Diva Monroe and Paro. Uh, Paro, if you haven't seen him, he, uh, he mostly wrestles in Japan nowadays, but he is like 
a bison. He's just like a huge, huge man. Like he is everything that Vince McMahon would, would want to have in his wardrobe, you know? Uh, so th that was pretty fun. It, it, it really got over uh, D-Bomb Monroe. Uh, amazing entrance, just <laughs> beautiful. And then we had Marco Stunt uh, replacing Priscilla Kelly and defeating Effie, who was like the, the host of the night. This this match is, if you want to look it up, it's going to have all the cult of Cornette arguing because of one spot involving a dildo. But I think you should watch the GIF out there on the Twitters. And at the end, we had the legend of legends, Cassandro El Exotico, defeating Sonic Kiss. Uh, this was, this was like, the a dream match of Exoticos. This was, like, it wasn't a passing of the torch because spoilers, Cassandro defeated Sonic Kiss, but it was just like, two, like it was. The 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 legend, of Cassandro versus the current rising powerhouse that Sonic Kiss is. And it was just a beautiful clash. Unfortunately, Cassandro seemed to get hurt really early in the match. Uh, she was limping, uh, I guess, from the ankle. And so that may have cut the match short and may have hindered. But Cassandra's just like a fucking badass. She finished the match. She's she kept doing like just all the top row moves that she does. It's just like, oh my god, like like hats off, you know. Cassandro is a fucking legend. Uh the one match that I will recommend from this show is Still Life for Apricots in Paris versus Dark Cheek. That was just like, in my opinion, the best match of the night. Still Life is a fantastic wrestler, is in my opinion the best last thing that came out from Chikara and I am glad that they get to keep their um, their gimmick and persona and they are an amazing technical wrestler that you may not think about it because of the whole gimmick but they are so fantastic I, I want to see Still Life versus Gresham or Still Life versus Saber because I would or, oh man like just yeah yeah like <laughs> they'd be so fantastic uh they could do like those beautiful like submission matches and and that's one match that i would recommend if you can go watch that's still life with apricots and pears uh, versus the dark cheek and the other show that i watched completely was josh barnett's blood sport number three and th this show has really picked up like a name for itself every year they they bring some really good superstars this is what raw underground wishes it was and so the the show started with simon green defeating matt mccoskey good match uh allison k defeating killer killer kelly which i don't know if killer kelly lives in the u.s right now but if you brought her from Europe to lose in the opening match <laughs> of Bloodsport? Like, what the fuck? Like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, I thought Killer Kelly should have won. 
Uh, we had Lindsay Snow versus uh, Layla Hirsch. This was a really short match, and it was unfortunate. There was one name in the whole collective weekend that stood out for me, and that was Lila Hirsch. I had never seen her before, and what I saw, I fell in love. Seriously, go find Lila versus Josh Alexander from the weekend. It was fantastic. This woman has all the potential of the world. She is she's Russian, but has been has like amateur training in the US, Germany, and Japan. She is legit. She is the next big thing if she gets the like the chance to do it. Like seriously, Leila Hirsch. Look her up. But unfortunately, she lost to, to Lindsay Snow. Uh, we had Calvin Tagman uh, defeat Alexander James. This was, in my opinion, like pretty boring. Not the worst match, surprisingly, but it's pretty boring. Uh, Tagman tried to like work submissions when he's like definitely a brawler, so I think that kind of hurt. Uh, we had Eric Hammer defeat Cal Jack. That is a former Cal Bishop from NXT. This was, in my opinion, the best match of the night. Um, this. This guy's just like Cal Jack is like an NCAA wrestler. Eric Hammer is a submission specialist student of Barnett. So it was just like a great clash of styles. But at the same time, it's like because like a wrestler will know how to take you down, but doesn't necessarily mean that once you're down, they know how to finish you. And a submission specialist, they their takedown is not necessarily the strongest thing. But like once you're down, they can finish you. So it was like a really cool combination, and and, and just kind of worked like that. Where Cal Jack had to rely on on chipping down Hammer just by like takedown and takedown and takedown and takedown, and eventually Hammer got submission and got the win. And that was oh man, fantastic. Uh, we got Tom Lawler defeat Homicide. This was a sprint. It was fun. It it kind of felt like a 2020 version of the old Brian Danielson versus Homicide matches where Danielson goes for submissions and Homicide just like slaps the bejesus out of him. Uh, this was fun. Tom Lawler was sweating like a motherfucker. I don't know what was going on, uh, but this was fun. Uh, it was like eight minutes. So again, the, the thing about this show is that every match is pretty short because they have the whole like it can at any time because it's shoot. Uh, so matches tend to be pretty short. Then we had, I'm going to call this a dud, because I honestly feel robbed. Debbie Boy Smith defeated Josh Alexander in five minutes, and this was the most disappointing thing that I saw all week. Because, like, this, these are two big, hoss, like, legit trained wrestlers, and it just was five minutes, and... Davey Boy won with a power bomb, and it was just shitty, and and I'm gonna go into this in a little bit, but like, a lot of the the wins in this show, like felt wrong, and that was my big problem with the show. But before that, we had the 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 final two matches, which the first one being Lindsay Snow defeating Allison K to win the the cup. Uh, I didn't mention it, but the, the women's were in a little four person uh, tournament. And Lisa's now defeated Alison K. Again, this was 
man, this was five minutes, perfectly okay. But it was, in my opinion, five minutes uh, between the two women that were the lead, the most weak of the show because Layla and Kelly were far, far better than these two. And at the end, we had the big match. John Moxley, you know, the AW champion, the IWP GP US champion, you know, uh, wrestling at a bingo hall almost uh, versus Chris Dickinson. This went about 15 minutes. It was pretty fun. Um, it was kind of weird seeing Dickinson sell so much. Uh, he's he's a big like powerhouse, so it's kinda, it was kind of weird to see him sell. But at the end, he had like a, a pretty good match. I, I think a lot of people are gonna jump between the Lawler and the Moxley matches as the best matches of the night, uh, just because of the content um, being more wrestling, like pro wrestling ish. So like, I wouldn't. Like disagree with anyone. I, I personally like Hammer versus Cal far better, but these two were, were pretty good. Um, Moxley, he came off. It's weird. He came off as a superstar to the crowd, but at the same time, and I'm about to get into this, not really. And I'm going to go into a little rant here. If you have this amount of companies, this amount of wrestlers, this amount of everything, of shows, you really, really have to make an effort to make your shows look legit or look good. I'm not saying you're going to have a Thunderdome. I'm not saying you're going to look like AW or Impact. But for fuck's sake, like, at least look credible this this the whole collective um was in a venue in indianapolis a closed venue i'm not even going to go into the issues of having pretty much 48 hours of wrestling in an indoors uh with fans that is pretty scary at this point um but it just it looked like shit just straight up it looked like shit it looked like second grade indie wrestling like you have your your indie promotions like pwg or defy or beyond wrestling and a lot of those promotions you know with sometimes lesser support have better looking shows and there is no fucking excuse if you have so many promotions and so many wrestlers and so many shows that you're gonna do this like i mean for gcw has been having shows pretty much all summer and they have them outdoors and they look so much better uh just because they're outdoors and it doesn't seem like there's empty seats it just looks like people separate from each other which is completely okay but here inside you just see empty spaces. And you know what's the worst thing? You see the AW champion come out to an empty arena. And that, if I was Tony Khan, I don't mind sharing my wrestlers to indies. But you need to look legit. Like, that's my one thing. You need to look legit. And and, and that was it. Like, the, the whole collective, in my opinion, just looked like shit. The organization looked like shit. 
the the announcers were not mic'd properly so you couldn't hear promos you can't hear anything the ring was not mic'd properly so it was just like a lot of noise it the entrance was always like like people coming out and they have to be dodging around like fans in, in chairs and, and other people around like just watching the shows it just looked like shit and there's no excuse uh, it's 2020 everyone knows how to feed a microphone into your video feed because you are on, on internet pay-per-view like just step up your fucking game for, for god's sake you know and and so that's it like that really in my opinion hurt especially the blood sport that I've seen before and like darker venues that just look packed and like the no rings looks fantastic. Like the no ropes. And, and now it just looked like shitty ass show. And I know it was really, really underwhelming. I, I don't know. Like I, like I said, like if I was Tony Khan, I would watch this show and be like, eh, you know what guys, I don't know if, if, if this is worth doing, especially like for guys like Moxley, and let's be realistic, this whole weekend, like, it, it shows about the the state of the indie wrestling in the U.S. But if you have Impact and AW polar guys from this whole weekend, they lose a lot. Like, they are down to having Mans Warner matches, and no nothing against Mans Warner, but. I mean, he's not exactly top level. And so, I mean, just, just do something for the collective, you know, game changer, like get, get your shit together <laughs> when it comes to productions. Like people do care about production values and don't let this become a, a hinder. Like don't, don't feed the cultist to start saying like, oh, like AW champions working at a gym. You know, that's not the last thing you want because that is going to hurt your company and the companies that you depend on. But let's let's get away from that. Let's stay in the U.S. wrestling area. It's time for your Impact Traffic Report. Welcome everyone to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling from October the 13th. We are 11 days away from Bound for Glory. And you can feel it in the air. You know, you can smell it. Uh, the show opened with Moose just demanding Scott Demore to do something about C3. Which at this point, it just really shows that Scott Demore is a terrible manager. Like, why the fuck is he doing something about his talent being, like stalked and their property being stolen like <laughs> like even if you can you want to tell a story that scott the doesn't like moose like jesus like he's one of your talent um but we got into taya valkyrie and rosemary defeating tasha steels and kira hogan and the team of havoc and nevaeh this this was surprisingly good uh i've been saying this about rosemary she has improved lately since she uh started tagging with taya I think Tayat brings the best out of Rosemary and also allows her to not get overexposed in the matches. And so Rosemary has been looking pretty good. Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan have always been good, especially as a team. 
Havoc and Nevaeh, like they're they're not fantastic, but they do their work properly. They're always where they need to be, except for one spot later tonight. Uh, but this was pretty much just uh, it's a continuation to the overall story that Taya has been feuding with Steels and Hogan, and Rosemary has been a little doing some stuff with Havoc and Nevaeh, and so it all came together in, into this three-way tag team match. Um, there was one spot here that I'm going to talk about. Uh, Taya did a plancha from the top rope, and Hogan and Havoc were supposed to cut her, and they didn't. Like they they extended their arms, but Taya just went through them and like splatted right on the floor, and it looked bad. Um, hopefully, I mean she seemed okay, but hopefully it, she is okay. But after the match, we just saw like all the teams kind of like eye each other. At this point, none of these teams have anything scheduled for Brown for Glory. I can't imagine a show with Ty and Rosemary off. So we'll see what they do. Uh, there is a chance that they're just going to be added to the Call Your Shot gauntlet, uh, which would be kind of underwhelming for them. I think at this point, they should at least do a skit preparing for the Rosemary and Bravo wedding, you know? Uh, we continue with Johnny Bravo just kind of like berating his wedding crew. Um, he's saying that they're pretty much over budget for over the preparations. And Falaba, who is the best man, came in. And, and as we know, last week he stole some money from Hernandez. But when they asked him about the money, he was like, oh, no, I don't have any money. Like, uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And Crazy Steve kind of like saw through that. And they change, they challenge each other for a match later. Uh, I don't really know why out of nowhere Falaba is like greedy about money. Like that's not really his character, so I don't know why they, they went with this. It's just stalling, I guess, at this point uh, until we get to the wedding, which the wedding is confirmed to be on October twenty-seven. It's going to be like the Halloween episode, so it just kind of like works out that it's going to be like an undead realm wedding. Yeah, it works out. Uh, we next had a skit between Rosemary and Havoc. Uh, pretty much, Rosemary asked her to, for help to to revive Father James Mitchell to officiate the wedding, and Havoc is not having it. and And so Havoc told Rosemary, "Like, okay, so let's do this. Let's have a match next week. If you defeat me, I'll bring him back. If not, you stop bothering me about this." And so. We literally have a life or death stipulation next week. Uh, James Mitchell's life being on the line. <laughs> it's funny how things happen. Uh, so we went into the Christie uh, Fall Out match. This, I mean, this is barely a match. It was just uh, Crazy Steve trying to get the money from Ba and eventually leading to Crazy Steve ripping the t-shirt that Ba was using to hide the money. And then we just saw the money. Steve used the distraction to roll up bar and that was it. This was, like I said, like pretty much like failure at this point. I would imagine that maybe we get Fala Bar versus Hernandez next week for the money, but and at this point, like I said, it's just filler. We are headed into the the Goho show, so I don't think we even need to care about this. This is going to be done soon. We had Rhino meet with Heath, and this was. This was interesting. So Rhino tells Heath that 
he pulled some strings and got Heath a spot in the Collier Gauntlet match. And if either Rhino or Heath win, they can use their, their shot to get Heath a, a contract with Impact. And so at this point, you're like, oh man, Rhino's totally training on Heath. <laughs> or Heath training on Rhino, you know, one or the other. Uh, especially like if Rhino wins and he has to choose between getting a contract to his body or challenging for the title. That's just like the perfect uh, dilemma to turn on Heath. But uh, we get slightly served because after Heath leaves, Scott the Moore comes out and he's like, hey, Rhino, did, did you tell Heath how was he, he seems really happy? And and the Moore says like, did you tell him everything? And like Rhino's like, no, he doesn't need to know. I'm like, oh, well, well, what's happening? And so Scott says, like, well, you agreed that if neither of you win, Heath doesn't get a contract, and Rhino, you are fired. And Rhino's like, yeah, I know, dude. Like, I, I'm putting my career on the line to get my friend Heath a contract with Impact. That is fucking amazing. Like, find yourself a friend like rhino in your life <laughs> man i know i gotta find a friend like rhino in my life you know man like that that i really really love that little stipulation like it, it sucks that it's going to telegraph that rhino and heath are gonna win likely but uh man it was it was just like a really beautiful thing that i wasn't expecting i was just expecting the usual like swerve into a heel turn but no um, and then we had a match, uh, with call your shot kind of like, uh, stipulations in there where Hernandez, cousin, Jake, Alicia Edwards, Rhino and Heath defeated Tommy dreamer, Brian Myers, Daniel Dashwood, Johnny Swinger and Cody Diener. And the thing here was that, I mean, for starters, all of these people are confirmed entrance in the Collier shot gauntlet for Bound for Glory. But the winning team of this match has to face each other in a five-way next week. And the winner of that match gets the number 20 entry for the, the gauntlet match. So it's a good filler that kind of like it's going to build at least your, your number 20 entrant. That's always fun. I... I didn't catch if they announced that the loser of the match next week gets the number one. I I wouldn't be surprised if they added that, but I, I didn't fully catch it. Um, but this was just like, it was honestly, it was just mostly comedy, not much of a match either. Uh, we had some comedy with the Deaners marking out that Rhino and, EC, and Dreamer are like ECW originals. Uh, we had Tanila Dash with like, completely not not feeling like wrestling tonight she just wanted to watch her pictures on on caleb's phone uh we had hernandez that at first didn't want to wrestle but then he just decided to beat the shit out of dreamer and then out of nowhere like dreamer and myers had like started brawling outside of the ring but like not even in front of the camera they were just like brawling to the side and it was heath that got the win pinning uh jenny swinger and that was it like completely uneventful but i do have hopes for next week's match because just just next week we have hernandez versus cousin jake that sounds good versus alicia edwards that sounds terrible 
versus Rhino, good. Versus Heath, good. It's pretty much four hosses <laughs> going at it with Alicia, so it's going to be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alicia wins, which is going to suck for the gauntlet itself. But uh, this was, I mean, that's going to be a weird match next week. Uh, if anything else, they, they have my, my interest, you know. Um, we continue with Sammy Callahan, like pretty much distracting idea where so Ken Shamrock attacks him and, and goes after the ankle. This was nothing. It was just like straight up like one minute. We know they're got like it's gonna be Edwards versus Shamrock at the Perry Preview. So uh we it was just like a reminder that we have the match, but not really any type of advancing of a storyline. We had Jimmy Jacobs interview Eric Young about his attack to Swan last week. AY uh, said that, you know, for Brown for Glory, he doesn't have a main event right now and he wants answers by tonight. Uh, but he did say, like, let's pretend that Swan actually miraculously recovers. Are you guys really going to put him in the ring with the same guy that destroyed his leg? And so he's kind of like trying to play games. He's like pretty much bullying poor Jimmy Jacobs. We had what well, was, in my opinion, the best thing of the night was Kylie Ray defeating Kimberly with Deanna Parasso by her side. This, I mean, Kylie is after revenge, vengeance, you know, for Parasso and Lee breaking Susie's arm at Big Tree Road. So this was a, a pissed off Kylie Ray. She was not like smiley Kylie. She just came in and went straight to destroy uh, Kimberly. And, and she was doing pretty well until just she went for a Rana from the apron and Kimberly caught her and dropped her to uh, an apron bomb and, and turned the match around eventually like, Kylie Ray made a comeback and, and won with the the smile to the finish. Uh, the the really big thing here is that after the match, Purasso attacked Kylie and then they got into a little brawl and Kylie Ray nailed Purasso with a super kick and cleared the ring. Like this is the perfect amount of heat uh, that this match needs. We've seen Purasso take out. Uh, Susie and we've seen Kylie Ray take out Kimberly and so we now just have left for Kylie Ray and Purasa to get in the ring and beat the shit out of each other and, and be fantastic I have a lot of hopes for this match I think it's going to be like really submission heavy because Kylie Ray is not a, like she she gets into the striking and all that stuff but she I mean her finish is an STTF you know the, the STTF and so that was good uh, we had the next match was Doc Gallows versus Matt Man Fulton. Um, before the match, Anderson Gallows came out and cut a little promo saying that they came to Impact because they wanted the money. But now that they're here, they kind of like it. And so they won the titles to prove that they are actually the best team uh, in the company. And, and this was this was a two-parter. Uh, at first, Fulton and Gallows just started brawling in the, in the brawl like spilled to the floor and they got the double count out. Uh, once we came back from commercial, they told us that the match has been restarted and it's now an LDQ match so they can continue. Uh, so at this point it was just like a weapons match, but like I I've said before that I don't think weapon matches work in an empty arena environment because weapon matches, the whole point is to get people to mark out at each spot. Uh, but this time, it, it, they 
weapons were not about spots it was just about like using them as extensions of your arms as you're like just striking each other so it was just a bunch of like batman folds and beating the shit out of gals with chairs and, and signs and, and stretchers and everything and and at the end Folding is setting up this concerto against a chair that it's like tucked between the turnbuckles and gallows dodges he he fakes Fulton into the the chair who he took like oh my god like he he threw himself into the chair man like that looks sick and then just gallows hit like the the double arm choke slam into like a bit of of chairs and this was just like an ugly hoss fight it was just like two fuckers like really hitting each other with everything they had and and stiff it just felt stiff like just imagine like fulton and gallows are both pretty huge guys and and, like they make the the ring look small and they were just like killing each other you know it was it was pretty good for what it was uh and finally we had like the big angle uh we had eric young came down to the ring and just demanded answers about his main event at bound for glory he was pretty much bullying scott Damore to say like to confirm that rich swan is not going to be clear to wrestle and so he gets the night off pretty much uh young and they took forever to get to the point but eventually scott Damore does tell uh eric young that rich swan has been recovering faster than humanly possible and that by bound for glory he will be cleared and and that's when they fucked it up because eric young attacked uh scott damore and that was perfectly okay he was just going after his ankle but then rich swan ran down for the save and that's the fuck up because you just told us that he will be ready because he's recovering better meaning he's he shouldn't be fully recovered by now but he i mean he came out and he wasn't limping he was just like perfectly mobile and second you mean to tell me that after all that's happened rich swan and eric young were in the same building for more than five minutes and swan didn't go after eric young like Swan waited for Eric Young to be destroying Scott Damore to actually come and do something about it. That's a fuck up, in my opinion. So that, they they should have waited one week for Rich Swan's return. And lastly, this was kind of weird. I, I I I don't know what to say about this, but we we saw Moose finally find EC3 in a bridge, like a wooden bridge. They got into a brawl for the title. Uh, it ended like EC3 was just like telling Moose that he's a fraud. Like his personality is just like a combination of his idols. Like he's completely fake. He he has a fake title. He's a fake champion. All that stuff, you know. And so they got into the brawl. Uh, at the end, Moose did defeat EC3. Like he left him bloodied, but like EC3 was just laughing, like mocking. Uh, moose this was weird because at bound for glory they are confirmed to have a match at an undisclosed location 
and to me this was pretty undisclosed and it was kind of a match it was a brawl but i mean if it's gonna be on this close location it's gonna be a brawl anyway so i don't know how i felt about this at this point having seen this i now expect just an angle at bound for glory an angle where i am anticipating that moose is going to join ec3 and they're going to do something i don't know what but do something and so we'll see what happens um like I said, this felt really, really off uh, at this point of the show. I think I think this could have been safe for a, either do this like two or three weeks ago or even a victory road or just wait for Bound for Glory. We're not that far away. It's 11 days. And so that was uh, Impact this week. Uh, overall, uh, it was a good show building up the heat for, for Bound for Glory. Uh, but that was about it. Uh, we are, like I said, 11 days. We have the Ghost Home next week. I expect the Ghost Home to be mostly storyline driven. Uh, so far, we do have some matches confirmed. Uh, we do have that match, uh, the Edward, the, what is it? The, the Collier Shot Gauntlet number 20 spot match. We have Callahan versus Eddie Edwards, which is probably going to end up with some kind of like. It's going to be like 20 minutes of re good wrestling and then Shamrock is going to be there. You have a really weird match with Rohit Raju versus Chris Bay and no, no, no. Rohit Raju and Chris Bay and Jordan Grace versus Willie Mack, Trey McGill and TJP. Those are all the competitors for the, the X Division match at Bound for Glory. But it's just we're seeing Jordan Grace tag team with Rohit and Chris. <laughs> That's going to be weird for her to be like in the heel team. And lastly, we have a match between the North and the Good Brothers, which I have high hopes for because these two teams should be able to pull off a good match, especially like Anderson versus Josh Alexander. That, that has so much potential. But that was it. That was the show for tonight uh, and the week. It was long, uh, but we are heading into the end of the G1 Climax. We just have more four more shows. Once we're done with that, we unfortunately go into the best of the Super Juniors. Oh, my God. But let's not think about that. Right now, let's just think about what we have. And that is a beautiful week in our futures. So remember to find this, uh, this, this podcast at Spotify or iTunes. You can go to Twitter where you can find all the links and the, the posts about it. You can go to therestingrevolution.com and go to a discussion board to talk about it, or you can find the actual podcaster. And you can go to figure4w9 where you can read the full recap of Impact written by yours truly. And without further ado, that is it for tonight. Sayonara, tomodachi. Have a good week. Au revoir. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.